0: Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined by Moxie Labouche. Now Moxie is the host and creator of the Your Brain on Facts podcast and she has also released a book also called Your Brain on Facts. So there's a lot of trivia, a lot of fun stories, crazy information and stuff that goes on in this chat so just a couple of little bullet points before we get started we basically speak of as i said loads of different things there's not one subject that we specifically stick to but a couple of bullet points are the mantis shrimp card games why moxie wrote the book and started a podcast regional dialects of england musicals the difference between the american school system and the english school system sort of years and grading wise and things uh when moxie got struck by lightning and how that experience was for her and then lots of other cool stories like people throwing themselves off Niagara Falls in barrels and that sort of stuff there are loads of tangents that kind of go down one way and then suddenly change course and there's certain thoughts that I was gonna say and then the conversation goes in a completely different direction I didn't get to say it but it's a really really fun podcast and if you're one clamoring for something that just sounds like two people having a casual chat this is exactly what this kind of conversation is before the chat gets started there'll be a quick promo for Room Podcast. Anyone will know Aidan Rosewell has been on the podcast before when he's speaking about his other podcast days of my life. I have also appeared in two episodes of the Room Podcast with my voice acting debut. Uh, the first episode of season two called All Roads Lead to Room. I was in that in sort of a smaller role and then in the Jen and the Blob episode I played the Blob which is quite an interesting uh, voice for me to do. So I really recommend you guys check that out. There are a links in the description to the room podcast and i've also recently appeared on max burns mandatory marvel and dc show talking about the dc comic the killing joke to batman all the links to that are in the description and i'll go a bit more into that later so just to clarify the chat is about to start but right at the end of the chat I'll come back saying what's to come in the following weeks, other things that I've appeared on and what happened in Star Wars Comics and Canon which is my other show. So there's a kind of things you can look forward to right at the very end of the podcast but that's enough rambling from me so the chat's about to get started after the promo. Thanks as always for tuning in guys, really appreciate it and yeah, talk to you then.
1: Nobody told me love could hurt like this Remember the night when we first kissed Do you? Do
0: you? It can be a struggle to keep positive, given everything that's happened. And while we were
1: connected, we could forget the darkness.
0: And in the beauty that I saw when I turned... I forgot myself. I lost myself. And If I don't watch my feet, they may well lift off the ground. This is quite exciting, really. I feel like I'm at the start of a great adventure.
1: This is just like some kind of movie. We are being looked after.
0: We are loved always. For more information about room and how you can support the show, find us on Twitter at room podcast one. Thanks for listening. See you around. Are you ready to die? Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And I'm joined today with Moxie Labouche. Welcome, Moxie. It's absolutely great to have you on the show.
1: I'm so glad to be here today. Thank you.
0: No worries at all. And you have an incredibly interesting podcast that I hadn't heard of until you sort of Got to contact with myself but then when i've been listening to it, i've become addicted it's the perfect length and the perfect amount of facts that anyone could want so do you want to just sort of tell people about your podcast a little bit
1: thank you so much my show is your brain on facts it is your weekly half hour of things you never knew you never knew everything from the history of nursing to the origin of the vulcan salute to the theft of canada's strategic maple syrup reserve and then I just, I always like to let that phrase hang in the air because first people have to grapple with the idea of strategic maple syrup reserve and then the fact that someone stole a bunch of it.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. That's a very perfect taste of what kind of stuff you can expect on um, your brain on facts. And so sort of, if, if we just start with that, and we'll get on to all the other things in a moment, what made you specifically start a podcast?
1: Well, I have lots of extraneous bonus facts in my head. And they will just fall out of my mouth, unbidden, and often in inappropriate circumstances, like in the middle of arguments and things of that nature. Um, And the customers I'm, I'm ringing up at the grocery store don't necessarily want to hear about the prehistoric ground sloth that used to redistribute avocado seeds. And that's why the pits are so huge. They just want me to ring up the damn avocado and let them leave. You know, so my husband got me into listening to podcasts because like a lot of people I had, I had basically like all the misconceptions about podcasts that I didn't know where to find them. I was not 100% sure what they were. I didn't know if they'd be any good. How do I find one I like? I kind of had this impression you had to stop and pay attention to them, which is not a combo I'm real strong on. But then my husband played an episode of Unorthodox in the car for me, which refers to itself as the universe's leading Jewish podcast. And I recommend Jew and Gentile alike should definitely check it out. Um, And I'm like, okay, no, that's pretty good. Put on something else. And then I found things like um, Good Job Brain, which was a a, a quiz show that unfortunately is defunct. Uh, No such thing as a fish. Yeah, anything that springs from QI must be gold. Um, And I was like, well, you know, I could do one of these. Without, of course, ever looking you know, into what actually goes into it. I'm like, yeah, I can do one of those. And then I would have a safe way to vent all of these excess facts. The trouble is, in researching and writing a seven-page script each week, it just puts more shit in my brain, <laughs> which is then more stuff that I can't keep track of. My brain is essentially an encyclopedia, but all of the pages have been torn out and they're strewn around the room being shredded by squirrels
0: that's a very good way of putting it i mean with myself i've got not as anywhere near as many bonus facts as you've got but you know when i talk to people about random things i did like a quiz with some friends the other night and i've got a nickname now for one group of friends that's my girlfriend's little friends and i'm called mammal mike now because i did 10 <laughs> questions about mammals i did 10 questions about animals seven of them were about uh animals and most of them i like you know what color is octopus blood that's obviously not a mammal but i knew i've always known it's blue but I thought that was a fake, kind of vaguely common knowledge, and it's not. There's the mantis shrimp that's got, you know, seeds over four oh, the, times more color. The and mantis the, shrimp is amazing. So exciting. Yeah. It's one of the most cool animals on the whole planet. It can see over four times more colors than humans can. It's it's like little punches, like the force of a bullet or something similar to Yeah, that. The, the cavitation bubble that, that its mm.
1: punch creates is yes. actually what kills uh, its prey. Yeah, it, exactly. it, it create it creates like like a, a shock wave and that's what kills the prey. It doesn't hit it, but it moves so fast it creates a, a negative space in the water, a cavitation bubble, and that bubble collapsing, and it even makes a spark when it does it, which is like bizarre to make a spark underwater. and, and that cavitation bubble collapsing is what actually kills its prey. So no them uh there's a really great webcomic called the oatmeal and he did that. That's it where I heard long, it. Yeah, that's a big where, long yeah, I up love the oatmeal. Um, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Easier. Yeah, <laughs> see, there's a the difference between me and you. We read the same thing, but I could barely remember. I can like, mantis shrimp, four times more colour, strong punch. That's what I remembered. And that's about it. Whereas you are like, brrr, got it Well, all, I, had, so. I, had,
1: I had one or two other things, but that's about it. But having had colourful pictures definitely helped.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. The Oatmeal is, if anyone hasn't been to The Oatmeal, you need to. I mean, also some of the card games, like Exploding Kittens, it's one of my favourite card games ever.
1: I could, Maybe I just had like a bad round of it. I've only played it once. I was kind of unimpressed with it now now cyanide and happiness their game uh joking hazard that one is never not funny it's as good as cards against humanity was when we all first started playing it and before we all kind of got bored and memorized all the cards
0: yeah that's exactly what happened with us we got the cards against humanity and then several expansion packs things we played it a lot and then it got to a point where there's just certain cards that just aren't in my opinion not funny at all there's one which just just surfed them And it's like most people I know, including myself, I always forget, don't know what serfdom means. And then when you have certain things like that, or there's just there's certain ones that are brilliant and always win, you know, sort of anything to do with cancer or not giving a shit about
1: the Middle East. Exactly. You can usually pair that with something. And and some of them rely so much on shock value that after you've seen it three times it has lost all its shock value and that was really all it had going for it and when i used to produce burlesque shows i did nerd so we did shows um on jim henson and archer and game of thrones and all kinds of stuff and i would make a custom cards against humanity expansion pack so Mm. our version here at the house is pretty unique because i have one copy of all of the different expansion packs to go along with the different burlesque shows
0: that we made that is incredible. I mean, I'm very envious of that. But yeah, the, with the sign and Happiness thing, cause I've, I've heard of that game coming out, but I mean, me and the guys haven't played card games for ages because obviously uh, lockdown, but we were kind of getting a bit tired of certain games. And yeah, as you say, cards against humanity gets boring after a while. And there are, with Exploding Kittens, I think it does kind of depend on certain things. Like my girlfriend wasn't as much of a fan of it when she first played it, but then she played it with loads of people who already knew exactly what they were doing. So it, it's kind of one of those things where it can, I don't know. What's the cyanide and happiness thing in, in brief?
1: It's it basically like each card is one panel of a three-panel uh, comic,
0: mm. and you you
1: just try to from your hand make the best three-panel comic. And of course, because it's cyanide and happiness, it's in a it has same sort of sense of humor as Cards Against Humanity.
0: That's amazing. I'm gonna have to look into it because I love their comics and things. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look into that. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, going looking back then, so obviously you've got your you had your podcast and things. And I mean, I kind of the reason I started my podcast in the same similar vein was just that everyone tells me I talk far too much, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm always if I meet people new, I just want to know everything about them. Like I, I my favorite thing in the world is talking to with someone about what they're passionate about, and then you see their eyes light up because they're excited. And then when they talk so fast, they can almost tripping over their words because they're excited yeah. to tell you. That's that's not like my favourite thing in the world. So I started in podcasting and then it gets, you know, certain individuals like, oh, this person sounds quite interesting. And then you research them and you're like, what? Like yourself. It's just like, okay, you've got the resume of like each bullet point. We could probably have an entire podcast on. So I'm sure you'll be able to return. But um, you're also an author. So I don't know if you want to discuss that as well.
1: Yes, a newly minted author. Uh, as of when we were recording a week ago today, the Your Brain on Facts book came out. The, the full title is Your Brain on Facts, Things You Didn't Know, Things You Thought You Knew, and Things You Never Knew You Never Knew. I have no idea why the publisher went for that title because <laughs> it takes up half of the front cover. But uh, one, one thing that there was still room on the front cover for, and I will be proud of this forever, I got a blurb from Mengesh hak one of the founders of Mental Floss. I saw that. So right on the front of my book is a blurb from one of the guys who created uh, Mental Floss. And if you ever listened to um, his uh, podcast with with the other co-founder, Will, um, part-time genius, his, his nickname is Mango. And my publisher is Mango Publishing. And mm. we earlier this year lost my, uh, my bestest buddy, Kat, uh, to cancer. And I'm like, okay, Facebook fam, you know, keep your eyes out. It's kitten time. I'm getting the urge. (laughs) And then sure enough, there is a tiny little orange tabby kitten named Mango. And I'm like, well, get in the car. (laughs) <laughs> obviously. And I get to go pick him up uh, this evening. And I'm like, so psyched about that. So yeah, I just oh, had to right. bring the kitten up into the conversation
0: too. I'm so jealous. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> where myself and Megan are in this flat, we can't have any fuzzy animals. We've got a tortoise. So she she Not likes cuddles. Not really
1: the same.
0: No. She, your tortoise
1: she, actually she, likes cuddles?
0: Yeah, th- I t- swear. It, um, she, um, she's called Wicket, named after Star Wars character, Wicket. But she's female. So, uh, and I'm a massive <laughs> Star Wars nerd. And she's no, one no, years no. old.
1: I like, I like that. All of that. Scans all of that was good. That it was Wicket, but because it was a female, you did Wicket, and then that makes me think of keeping up appearances. You know, it's Wicket, dear. It's Wicket, and I also <laughs> like I also like that in your particular uh, parlance that you said tortoise and not tortoise, because mm. when I hear the people speaking the King's and saying tortoise, I'm like, and you say we talk stupidly. <laughs> it's certain, there's certain regions of England they say tortoise. Instead yeah,
0: of the tortoise. There's a couple of weird little, uh there's certain twangs. I mean, when people hear me speak, some Americans think I speak, I'm very well spoken, and I think I'm not really. But compared to some people in England, like we call them chavs uh generally, or people, people unfortunately, often in the lower parts of the socioeconomic ladder often speak in a certain way. Unfortunately, it's not for everyone, but especially around Southampton and things, people, when they speak in this sort of dialect, half the things they say, I, I can't actually understand what they're saying because there's so much slang. But then you go up north and it's ironic with England that the further north you go is more synonymous with, in America, the further down south you go. I'm yeah, they're, they're, everyone...
1: they're, they're flipped. Yes. Yeah. It, and my husband cute, yeah. and I watch a lot of uh, British TV. So we're we're more acclimated both to the culture and to the accents. Like we cannot go a day without a clip from Mock the Week or Cats Does Countdown or mm-hmm. you know something like that. So um, uh, also there's a YouTube channel, uh, Tom Scott he and three friends from Yorkshire do different little panel shows together. So I I can pick up the Yorkshire accent like really quick. The average American really can only identify a couple of accents because somehow your tiny little Island has dozens of really distinct (laughs) accents on it. God knows how. And then my, my British friend explained it to me is because you used to not leave your village. You used to be born and raised and die within 10 miles, a 10 mile radius. So people the, the villages were really insulated and that's how you got all these different accents. But we, we're used to hearing received pronunciation and Cockney. End of list.
0: Yes. That so, is
1: so so if you don't sound if you don't sound like Cockney, then you must sound like received pronunciation. We really only have the two settings, the average yeah. American.
0: It's it's literally it's almost just like it's either Downton Abbey or Cockney. And, and that's almost all what Americans think the British accent is. And it is it's definitely not the case. But you I also, can blame-
1: Blame Dick Van Dyke for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you that is, absolutely
1: blame Dick yeah, Van Dyke for that.
0: I, I saw Mary Poppins for the first time only f- about four or five years ago. Um, I think I maybe watched it when I was really young as a kid, but I couldn't remember it. And I watched it and I was like, what accent is he doing? And obviously he told you pretty soon. And I'm like...
1: "It sounds like a Pakistani he... who's had a mild stroke.
0: I know. It's like, has he ever heard anyone on the whole planet even speak English compared to... Is, uh, I remember well, watching that it. That it was like back really in the
1: mid-60s, from... you would have to have flown someone over to to hear a foreign accent or get like some some newsreels from World War II or something. You know, it's not like how you and I can be talking right now and and, you know, I could I could learn all about your accent. So I'm not making excuses for him. It was inexcusable. <laughs> and then they make a second movie and instead of, you know, casting some perfectly nice person who who lives within the sound of the bell of that one particular church, which means that you're Cockney, otherwise you're just an East Ender, then we get living with Manuel Miranda, and I'm like, okay, I love him, but we're making the same mistake a second time here.
0: I've recognised the name. Was he in Hamilton? He's, he's the Hamilton guy, yeah. Weirdly enough, I only found out his name literally... Ten minutes before our podcast, because I was I was in the loo, and then I was just on uh social media Reddit actually I think, and I saw but Hamilton coming to Disney Plus and things, and my girlfriend loves musicals, so we try I'm trying to watch more musicals and things. She hasn't seen Hamilton. And I saw this thing about oh it's censored blah blah blah, and I looked into it, and the guy said oh we're just we've they've cut out saying fuck three times, and that makes it go from basically R rated to PG thirteen, and the guy that's his name. So I only <laughs> I would never have known his name, and I haven't seen the second Mary Poppins. It, it's weird when things like that happen. Some sort of.
1: Well, I'm just waiting until the day after it comes out on Disney Plus when it'll be on Pirate Bay and I can actually get my hands on it. Because that's <laughs> the only way I'm going to be able to see Hamilton. Because it, the tickets are like $200 and, and they're sold out months in advance. And I'm like, well, yes, I'd like to be part of this cultural phenomenon. Ain't going to happen, Captain.
0: Mm. yeah we've been in a similar boat like uh with musicals and things like we've seen uh, book of mormon a couple times which is incredible and there's loads of other ones that me and megan are trying to see more of but obviously this year they all basically have been moved to the next year or lion king has been moved to 2022 which is gonna be a christmas gift for megan but that's gonna (laughs) very far in the future now but it is we we spoke about hamilton and she isn't the biggest fan of rap and it's like the rap musical essentially and i really want to see it because i love Every well, I, I like music from every genre, including death metal, classical, rap, anything. Um, but she's more specific. So we were like, do we want to if whenever we end up going to America, do we want to spend try and spend that hundreds of pounds to see a musical in a genre of music you probably won't like? And as we were kind of figuring this out, it got announced, obviously only a little while ago, that Hamilton was coming, and it was like, oh, problem solved, nice and easy.
1: <laughs> well, you can um, apart from you know the soundtrack being available. Um uh John Krasinski, the actor from the office and and whatnot, had started a uh, YouTube channel Some good News, which he then eight episodes in sold to CBS Viacom, the bastard uh, but there was there was one bit where the, like a little girl had tickets for Hamilton. she's like nine years old and she's really looking forward to going and wasn't gonna get to go obviously and he got like the whole Broadway cast on this zoom call to do like the first song from Hamilton for her so if you want to and and I had never heard any of it because I don't see the point of listening to a soundtrack from something I haven't seen because it won't make any sense I don't don't have context um but I'm like okay this sounds pretty good I can see how we could make a hip-hop history musical and make it work you know but I I wasn't going to take any of it in until I could actually see it unlike my husband who uh you know the the theme for Flash Gordon, the Queen mm-hmm. song, with all yep. the bits of dialogue from the movie in it. My husband knew that by rote, but he had never actually seen Flash Gordon. And wow. I'm like, how, how did that not just drive you to watch it? Because none of this shit makes any sense to you. It can't possibly... I've seen the movie a hundred times and I know that it won't make any sense to you. And I finally, just a couple of years ago, got to show it to him. He's like, oh, that's where that line is. I'm just, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do with you?
0: I, I presume you are, because I'm this kind of individual and I, I lose sleep on this, uh, this sort of thing quite a lot where if I it happened, I read a lot of Star Wars comics and uh, books and things. If I read something and I come to a word that I do not recognize, I immediately am straight on google wikipedia whatever trying to define the word and figure it out and then i end up going down rabbit holes and things of like word origins and all kinds of other stuff and it was like i end up doing that that's how i know i say so many facts in the presence of you it's so little facts but in the <laughs> presence of anyone else so many facts yes i'm very adverse um it are you like that where it's just like as soon as or like if you question your own fact and you're like wait a minute is that, and then you have to go and look online to make sure your facts are so it doesn't all smush together
1: yeah, I mean or like you say something that you're really confident in but but, but the other person doubts and now you doubt like yes. this thing that you've known your whole life, you know, are, are are penguins birds or fish? Well, they're birds and then the other person looks at you and I'm like they are birds, aren't they? You're like no I'm pretty, oh, <laughs> google it. I'm like, oh, okay, you know they are birds. Why did you why did you look at me like that? You know. <laughs>
0: i get exactly that my my girlfriend does get sometimes annoyed at me because if she says something is something and i'm like i'm pretty certain it's not and then i'm like okay i don't want to argue let's look it up but often she and certain other people take it in a way of me going oh no i think you're wrong i'm trying to prove you right it's like no no i think i'm wrong but i won't remember this unless i look it up i'm quite a visual learner so if i see something written down or yeah on my phone or wherever if i see the fact i'll remember the fact written down better than it in uh in conversation
1: yeah so you're not um actualing them you're just like let's go on this learning journey together
0: yeah i do it with my own thing if, if i say something and someone like a little fact like uh at work i said about the octopus blood being blue and then someone said i thought it was green and i was like I thought, I'm certain it was blue. Like five seconds ago, I would have bet money it's blue. Now you've made me forget. (laughs) Now I'm just go, so my God, have I been telling people my entire life that the octopus blood is blue and it's not? And then you look online, oh no, I am. I am right. It's okay.
1: That was the exact sensation I was referring to. Yeah, Uh, Horseshoe crabs also
0: have blue blood. Mm, That's interesting. It
1: It was Vulcans that had green blood. I see. Just, just tossing that out there.
0: <laughs> I think the only other fact I know about crabs is, because I've seen them, is in uh, Lanzarote, one of the Canary Islands, there is a cave full of blind crabs that are white, that glow in the dark. And I think it's the <laughs> only place you can, to my knowledge, it's the only place you can find them.
1: Well, yeah, you, you would do, because in the caves where there's no sunlight, they don't need to have any yeah. pigmentation. And, and then
0: over time, they just breed it's that whole how evolution generally works is but it, without having to delve too far into it but you know yeah when they live longer because obviously they wouldn't need to see anything within the cave so then the brain stops needing to f- fuel the visual cortex and over generations and generations eventually they don't need to see i didn't i want to have prefaced that because i was like once on those doubts i was like i'm pretty certain they are but moxie's knows much more about these sort of things than me so if i say i really say-
1: wish you would stop thinking that i have like this ridiculous amount of knowledge like like i said <laughs> off my i have i have I, I know a non-zero amount of things about many things you know not enough to be an expert so i've, I've been you know trying to get on a lot of podcasts because i got this book i got a shill you know and it's just fun um <laughs> but i've been re- i've been punching above my weight with a lot of these emails and and like people who have podcasts that also have PhDs and, and history and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to try to convince them to let me come on their show. Me, who is not an expert in anything by any stretch of the imagination. But now, and some, sometimes it works. And sometimes the person's just like, get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't Three, have... Three-time
1: uh- community college dropout. Kind of hard to convince PhDs to share their podcast space with you.
0: Yeah, I don't even have anything on that. I went to uh, college, which uh, college over here is not college where you guys are. Cause college where you guys are is university over here. So I was in education till I was 18. I don't know what that, I, I always get confused with the American school system because you, you've got high school. You think
1: you think our thing's confusing. Imagine how your thing looks to us. A levels, O levels. You know, it. I, I, I've watched a lot of British TV and I have not been able to suss out how the British education system is laid out. I, I heard I, I had to look up GCSE. I could I now granted I could have looked all of this up, but sometimes I just like being frustrated. But you know, um, and then yeah, how you have different GCSEs in different subjects, which sounds like it would be a college major, but it's actually like a high school thing. Okay, so generally here's a broad overview, and it varies a lot from state to state, and even from within the individual states. But you've got five or six years of uh, elementary school or primary school starting about age five with kindergarten and then three or four years of uh, middle school and then four years of high school. The four years of high school is pretty much universal. Where elementary goes into middle, that, that can change a lot by state. And then you've got your four years of high school. You are supposed to stay in high school until you're a legal adult and can just you know, fuck off home, um, or you have graduated, if you need to leave school early for whatever reason, you can uh, get your GED, your general education degree, which means a test that means you know two thirds of what a high school graduate was expected to have learned. And then you can go on to to college. We use college and university um, interchangeably because some of them are colleges and some of them are universities, but we don't refer to the whole thing as university in the way that the British might like say, you go to hospital without the preposition in it. You know, you go to university. Um, but we also have what uh, community colleges, which are—I um, don't want to say more casual, but they're they're less expensive and less rigorous. Also, is not exactly right. But if you were looking for like Votech, so little more for vocational training and things mm-hmm. like that, like community college, and then you get your four year universities, and then your uh, graduate school if you're going for some kind of degree and um, grade refers to either the year you're in or the letter evaluation that you received, and I think that should be everything you need to know about (laughs) the layout of the American education system. Feel free to cut that entire segment out because I don't know how
0: interesting it's going to be for people. I'm going to keep that, and I'm going to play it at the start of this show and right at the end as well, and then I'm going to have it on every show I ever do ever. I'm going to pop that at the end just for you.
1: (laughs) Okay, now quid pro quo, Clarice...
0: Do you want to hear about the please, English school please, system? Please
1: help me to understand oh, for God. the first time okay. ever.
0: Okay, right. So uh, we go into school year, when you're four or five years old. That's called reception, which is basically kindergarten to my knowledge. Then we have, we call them years, not grades. So year one and year two, that is, that is infant school. Then year three, four, five, and six, that is then, uh, that is secondary school but infant school is sometimes in secondary school as well, just to make things more confusing. Uh, oh, wait, no, I've completely messed it up. I've already messed it up. You asked me. It, right, and and also, start-
1: also, what is grammar school?
0: Uh, grammar school, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that- so I messed that up. Let's try again. Very simply, year R, reception, up to year six. Uh, so from the age of four to about 10 or 11, that is primary school. Then when you're... Eleven, you go to secondary school. Secondary school is year seven to year eleven. In year ten or eleven, you do your GCSEs, um, and you could. It's normally English, math, science, and then you get to choose a couple of other ones. And then that finishes when you finish year eleven. You're sixteen years old. Then you go into college, uh, which is and now a lot of the colleges are called academies, which makes things even more confusing. College is for generally two years that's where you get A-levels. So when you're 16 to 18, uh, you could choose normally four subjects to do uh, and you get an A-level for doing two years of each of them. And then when you're 18, you can go to university. You can go to university at any age and I think you can go to college at any age in America. Um, But yeah, you can then go to university and yeah, university is normally three years for like a standard degree uh, and then additional for depending on what field you want to go into. So really simply... Primary, secondary, college, university. Primary, 4 to 10 slash 11. Secondary, 11 to 16. College, 16 to 18. Uni, anything past there. I was going to say O-level was what GCSEs used to be called decades ago, which is probably why if you watch certain British sitcoms or things that are in the 80s, 90s, they'll call them O-levels, and then I think around that time it changed to GCSE.
1: Are you still allowed to leave school at 16?
0: (laughs) What it used to be, it used to be you can leave school at sixteen and do whatever on earth you want. But now it it's a case of when you leave at sixteen, I think you have to do either college or an apprenticeship. And uh, an apprenticeship is I did an apprenticeship. It's basically doing work, but you work for almost nothing. uh, But and one day a week you have to go to college, essentially, and get a qualification. The qualification I got is the equivalent to three or four A levels. But I already, I went to, I did my apprenticeship after college, so. <laughs> so you just went, went back and got it just for shits and giggles? Well, well, essentially, I finished college and did know what I wanted to do. I went into college and I was like, I want to be an accountant. And I did accounting for you. And I was like, I can't do this. Not necessarily because I wasn't smart enough, although that was probably a factor. But I had a lot of stuff going on in my life and the world's most boring subject wasn't really for me. So, you should go you know, back but-
1: and become a forensic accountant.
0: Oh, no, thank you.
1: Because that's the thing. Oh, you can find all the all the the rich guys where they're hiding their money and then and then rat them out.
0: Oh, well, I mean that does sound like a bit of fun, but it does sound a bit too number crunchy for me. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people where I finished college and I was like, I don't really know what to do with myself. So I just found an apprenticeship and they like, what do you like doing? And I was like, mm, I have a YouTube channel, which I don't need more. <laughs> but uh, well, I do now for the podcast, but I had like a proper video YouTube channel. And I was like, I-, I make music videos for bands for fun sometimes. I did media and I quite enjoyed that in college. And they're like, oh, so you can use Photoshop. You can do this graphic design job. And I did that for a while and then now I'm in insurance. <laughs> so there's no so, sense. So
1: we went, we were headed to chartered accountant. We went through graphic design and landed on insurance.
0: Exactly. And the graphic design I did was in a in a cassette, it's yes, a tape cassette and CD production company. Uh, this was only a few years ago and they're still going because a mate of mine uh, still works there. Uh, small company, uh, but they're I did the graphic design for so i I was also doing a bit of audio production as well so i'd you know people would send me music and i'd burn it onto a cd and have to make a master cd and sometimes burn them onto a cassette tape and do cassette decks and stuff like that so it was quite weird that when i decided to get into podcasting i was like well i already know about graphic design i know about audio stuff i know about editing because of my youtube days so it kind of fit together very nicely
1: mesh them all together and you end up with a podcast
0: exactly yeah uh it's one of those but i just realized i've been talking about myself for ages and i know you you did ask to be fair but i would ask more about you because you let's flipping it right back a nice big segue you got struck by lightning ages ago just the once (laughs) well yeah it's it's still very it's quite a rare thing to happen to people so i wonder if you could uh retell the story and the thing that i'm most intrigued by is actually how it felt if you can remember i don't know what happens people get struck by lightning apart from electricity (laughs) so well
1: Uh, I used to raise goats and make goat milk soap and skincare products that I would sell at farmers markets and craft shows and things, and that was how I earned my living for about 11 years. And one very warm May afternoon, the sky just opened up, and what I learned in my years of milking the goats was if I try to do chores early to avoid the rain, if I try to do them late to avoid the rain, I will always end up in the heaviest part of the rain, so I might as well just stick to the schedule and whatever happens, happens. So it's raining very hard and I'm yelling at a goat named Cyanide trying to get her to come out of the barn because I had a different theme each year when I named the baby goats and one year it was uh, deadly poisons. So I had kept goats named uh, Cyanide, Strychnine and Antimony. So I'm yelling at Cyan to try to get her to come out of the barn. I'm standing there with my hand on the fence like you do and there was a crack. The loudest sound I've ever heard sounded like it was three feet above my head. And as I was falling into the mud... I had three distinct thoughts in an instant. Stupid electric fence. I haven't had the electric fence on in weeks. I think I've just been struck by lightning. I might've lost consciousness very briefly, like, you know, a few seconds, not any real length of time. Um, Couldn't close the hand that had been on the fence. It was just kind of stuck, kung fu grip, half open position. And I'm like, you know what? You can just get mastitis. I don't care anymore. You know, I'm going, screw you guys. I'm going home. So I'm like, I'm going in the house. My, uh, at that moment, estranged, now ex-husband had been over at, at the house, actually, at that exact moment, showing a friend of ours something. And I'm like, oh, he can never turn off the laundry room light. And then I noticed that the light was wavy and orange because the bolt of lightning had hit the house, lit it on fire and then dissipated out through the ground to where I had been standing with my hand on the fence. So I've just been struck by lightning, and my house is trying to burn down. So not not like the most stellar afternoon. It wasn't even our first fire either. The other one, I believe, was caused by a 15-year-old Himalayan cat who decided that she wanted to be where the oil lamp was. So the oil lamp had to go. But yeah, I couldn't... Um, do math. I couldn't do like even basic arithmetic in my head for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't remember much in terms of pain apart from a really significant, like the pins and needles you get in a pinched limb before the full pins and needles have set in Hmm. like that, that medium. Oh, here it comes. This is going to suck. Sensation was what I had in my hand. But uh, logic was also real difficult for me for the first few weeks, which is great when you have to deal with your homeowner's insurance and moving your business into an apartment so that you can, you know, have food and stuff, you know, and I still have to drive back to the, to the farm twice a day to milk the goats. And for the first couple of weeks, also carry buckets of water because the water had been turned off on the property. Um, So, you know, it was, I had like a workshop full of stuff and an empty U-Haul truck and I just kept looking back and forth between the full workshop of equipment and the empty U-Haul truck. And I couldn't figure out what was supposed to happen next. And I just stood there looking back and forth, trying to reason it out. And one of my helpers was like, do you want us to start with the boxes or the racks? I'm like, yes, put the things <laughs> from the workshop into the truck. That's what we're doing. Okay, good, yes, that please. You know, so it, wow. it took a couple of weeks for all of that to come back. And and to this day, that's what I credit my uh, poor memory to. It's especially bad right now because I'm also going into menopause early. And of course, I'm blonde. So I'll get halfway through like a really interesting fact and then just come to a dead screeching stop because I can't remember the end of it or I'm no longer sure about what I was saying. I'm like, wait, was that World War One or World War Two? Was that, was this person French or Spanish? And like, now I don't even know what I was talking about anymore, you know? Uh, But I will say though, that when you tell people uh, that you've been struck by lightning after you forget or fumble something, their expectations for you diminish. It's like, people just don't expect much out of you after you tell them you've been struck by lightning. And in that, it's very freeing.
0: (laughs) Out of, out of interest, did you um, apart from the memory, did you find uh, – it, no, it's not the same, but when people have sort of blunt head trauma, they often – they can have a personality change. Did you have anything like that happen, or was it, to your knowledge, did it only seem like the the sort of memory and logic basis?
1: No, I'm just as annoying as I ever was. That, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's remained pretty consistent. But, I mean, our our brains are just a fatty sponge of hormones and sparks, and it doesn't take much to – to damage us and to alter us. Cause you'll hear these interesting things about people who had uh, a brain injury or uh, were in a coma or whatever, and who come back with an accent they've heard had. of this or yeah. no longer speaking their native language, but completely fluent in another language. Or there was a story I was listening to on, I think it was the box of oddities podcast of a little girl who uh, like a toddler fell down the stairs and died, but was resuscitated. But she came back, with all of the memories of an adult woman who lived in Egypt under Seti the first. So they took her to temples and she knew where all, what all the illustrations were. She could read the cartouches and she was like five. That know. is insane. And then you get uh, stories like Phineas Gage, who was working on the uh, the railroads here in America in like the, the late 1900s, they were putting explosives in the ground. You dig a hole, you put some, explosive uh, medium in there and then you tamp it down with a big rod which for whatever reason he leaned over the tamping rod while he was working and one of the strikes ignited the explosive which shot this like five six foot long metal spike through his skull went under his chin and came out the top of his head which not only did he he survive, but he was mostly okay however later in his life his personality seemed to change and he would vary between kind of the phineas gauge that everyone knew and this aggressive and incorrigible sort of person he also toured for a time with the spike (laughs) because it's hard to make a living otherwise you know but he like a a number of people um who tried to make a, a living on the sideshow circuit was He wasn't great with the showmanship of it, so it didn't end up making a good career for him. Like the first person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, which was uh, an older woman who had not fulfilled her dream of being a dance teacher because the city she moved to didn't have any dance schools. So she thought a great way to secure her financial future would be to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. It's a little disconnect in my, my head on that one. It's sort of phase one, steel underpants, phase three profit, but hey... <laughs> Luckily for her, it worked out because the woman who had tried it just prior to her had died because she took her dog with her and her dog stuck his nose over the only air hole and smothered her.
0: People, <laughs> so, they're insane.
1: Yeah. So step one, don't take your dog. Uh, but but <laughs> she, she had like the barrel that she had been in, this, this like five foot tall custom made pickle barrel. But she was apparently such a boring speaker that that nobody wanted to turn up to hear the story of how she survived going over Niagara Falls in a barrel because she was just so dull. So you wow. know you needed you needed showmanship back in those days.
0: Yeah, and I think with the um, sort of the barrel thing, I think have there been multiple people attempting to mm-hmm. throw themselves over Niagara Falls? Oh, th- barrels?
1: still it still happens. People try to go over on jet skis and homemade contraptions and I believe there are there's actually a coast guard installation there to get people out of the river before they tried to go over. And there was a man who went over in a a custom-made metal tube who died later after slipping on an orange peel. And I think he suffered a broken bone that then became gangrenous and infected. So he survived going over Niagara Falls, and he slipped on an orange peel
0: and (laughs) subsequently died. That's like final destination, basically. It's just like oh, you avoided death in one way, now get the worse way.
1: yeah now, now we now you'll get the more embarrassing death well like yeah, but... you know jack Jack Daniels, the whiskey guy, he died of septicemia after breaking his toe, kicking his safe. I assume because he couldn't get it open, and he kicked it out of out of in a fit of peak, broke his toe, it got infected, and he died.
0: Wow. People never cease to astound me. I mean, there's, there's a couple of, there's a couple of museums around. I would imagine there's maybe one in America. Uh, Ripley's, believe it or not. Oh, you, we've got oodles and scads of them. Yeah. Yeah, we've got we got I think one or two in in England. But I, I saw my first. Well, one, we've actually, got a lot more in, ground to cover. And, what, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's mental. Also, one mental thing I find with uh, America and the weird thing is Australia is that uh, even though Australia obviously there's a lot of unlivable uh place in there, Australia 90% is. Of it. Ba- well, yeah, exactly. It's, Australia is basically like land mass size is the same as the United States. It's it's, it's very, very 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 similar. Close. But yeah, when you see it on a on a map or even in my own mind, it, Australia seems small. But that's obviously because it's almost like a donut of where you could live because the middle's just yeah. And
1: the the Mercator projection, of course, um, screws up the the scale of everything. And it's not really near. It's not as close to anything to help establish the scale because it's off by itself on the ass end of the planet. And I say mm-hmm. that because I have a sister who lives there. But yeah, there's basically, there's just the the candy coating is the only place where you can live, at least yeah. for, for non-Indigenous people.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did you know that the,
1: that the Aboriginals didn't get the right to vote until 1968?
0: I did not know that. No. I just like to
1: lord that over my Australian brother-in-law anytime he starts to get mouthy about Americans and the Native oh. Americans. Like, yeah, we, we, we did some shit, but uh, we, we tended to stop before television came along. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> It was one thing that I, when I um, I, I try not to argue with people too often. Although sometimes it is inevitable. In my when I was younger, I used to always argue with everyone about everything. Uh, now i have kind of learned to pick my battles a bit more. But um, one of the arguments I like to use with people is when it comes to cannabis legalization. Which the whole drug war thing is a very big, massive conversation that I don't want to delve into. But cannabis in itself is like, you know, obviously in America, you guys there's lots of different states, uh, which have got it for medicinal or recreational or whatever. And there's people that I know who are very, you know, anti-drugs and anti-cannabis and whatever, but then also drink loads. And then you, I yeah. query and I go, okay, well, what, yeah, what? And they go, well, it's illegal. And I go, yeah, but in in England, it was illegal to be gay until like 1967. 1967. Yeah, 1967. So, yeah. So and I was like, so in that, I know it's not, not it's not an easy. Just oh, that it's that simple. And end of the argument. But it's it's one of those things where it's just and that fact. I only found that out when I had a friend of mine who's gay and he was telling me. He was telling me about it and telling me what it was like to grow up in the 80s as gay and the, the language of the theatrical rhyming slang Polari. Polari. Yeah. Which I, I, I found love that
1: Polari. Out. I have, I covered it on the podcast twice. It's in the book. I love Polari. Well, it's for insane. one thing, it's got Yiddish in it and I love Yiddish. Yiddish is the best language for, for expressing oneself. But yeah, it's this amazing hodgepodge. For the gentle listener who doesn't know, uh, <laughs> Polari, Polari is a blend of, of uh, thieves' cant and sailor slang, a Yiddish, Italian uh, theater slang. It varied a little bit regionally, depending on if you were in like the West End of London, where you were near the theaters, or the East End, where you're near the docks. But it was a secret language that gay men could use to talk mm-hmm. to one another. You never hear whether or not lesbians used it, but... Lesbians always kind of got more of a pass on things just historically, but, but that way gay men could speak to one another without revealing that they were gay, either to those who could overhear them, or if you thought the guy you were trying to pick up was gay, but he wasn't, you could just brush off whatever you had said that, you know, he clearly didn't understand what you said. So, you know, he's not gay. Uh, Mm. But it, then a lot of it came to common usage through uh, around the horn and the characters, Julian and Sandy, Who's, in their sketches there was lots and lots of Polari and then people came to, to understand it and that was just before homosexuality was decriminalized anyway and then Polari was no longer needed and fell by the wayside but we still have a lot of Polari and it even came over to American English, things like camp though camp means a little bit more kitsch than it means uh, gay but there's still that kind of John Waters overlap area uh, butch, uh, drag, zhuzh all the stuff you hear on rupaul's drag race and things M- and eye for the straight
0: guy rupaul so i've i've seen lots and lots of series of rupaul's yeah. drag race yeah so all those all those kinds of words are uh are polari mm, yeah and it's, it's mental because it, when i was speaking with uh, the gentleman called the gentleman's called steve and he's uh, a friend of my sister-in-law's i've known him for over 10 years and obviously when i was younger i had that sort of naivety where i didn't it didn't really register with me about... It is one of those things I've said before the podcast where I didn't even realise racism was a thing until I saw an episode of That's So Raven when I was about eight because you know, I went to a school which had people of colour in it. So I was like, oh, there's people with different colour skin. Cool. And then I had to get taught that racism was a thing. And it was the same with you know homophobia because until secondary school... I didn't know any, around secondary schools when I met this gentleman, Steve. And then also there's more, uh, obviously, when you go to secondary school. So you're 11 to 16, that's when people start finding themselves sexually. So when people are gay, it's, it's more obvious and things like that. Um, or they come out and stuff. And so I, that was another thing where I was like, wait a minute people actually have a problem with this and then you find out more and you're like oh no you go further in history like oh no and it's yeah, like crimes it's really pretty here. bad it, it's pretty horrendous like the, the world today has got a huge amount of problems but it's like we are getting better which is the for the most part we are getting better which does give me that little bit of optimism of just like things look really bad and in a lot of ways they are but if you go back 50 years they were a lot worse in a, a, a lot, lot, lot of ways worse.
1: Yeah. My, my mother is in her, her late uh, sixties and growing up in Florida, there were, you know, white only and black only facilities. And uh, there was a particular manufacturer of water fountains and um, like um, ENSCO or something is written on the top of the handle. And my mother had thought that that word meant whites only because there was this little word on the top of the water fountain handle. So she assumed that meant whites only until after desegregation, and she, and she still saw that word on top of the, on the handle of the water fountains. And she realized, oh, I guess it doesn't mean whites only. You know? and it's, she wasn't, of insane. course, pro-segregation. She was no, like of course, seven, no. you know, <laughs> not actively involved in perpetuating it. And, and yeah, so in with the racism, the homophobia, the attitude toward marijuana society is is changing its views and if those of us who are progressing can just keep progressing all we have to do is keep progressing and wait for the dinosaurs to die out
0: and that's the end of part one thanks as always for tuning in guys part two will be out next week at the usual time and some of the subjects we talk about in part two include Moxie's Game of Thrones nerd which is a burlesque show, but obviously nerdy, and her story of playing in front of the man, George R. R Martin himself. We speak about Star Wars a little bit, including George Lucas's ex-wife, Martha. We speak about Avatar The Last Endbender a little bit, but there's no spoilers because I haven't actually seen the full thing. Uh, we speak about voice acting, podcasting equipment, elitism, confederate statues, and a few other things as well. Very similar feel to how the start of this podcast was, part one where it's a tangential talk where we speak about loads of different things coming off on tangents here there and everywhere so be sure to tune in next week for that and make sure you check out moxie's your brain on facts podcast because it is excellent and if you really like it make sure you go buy a book too I said in the intro that that I've basically appeared on Max's mandatory Marvel and DC show. If anyone has been following the show for a little bit, you'll know my other show, Star Wars Comics in Canon, is on the Comics in Motion feed, as well as a load of other podcasts, including people who've come on this podcast before as guests, and the others that haven't will be guests in the future. So the podcast as I said, is about Batman the Killing Joke, which is a very popular Batman graphic novel about a Joker origin story. If that kind of thing sounds interesting to you, make sure you check out episode 8 of Mandatory Marvel and DC, found on the feed of Comics in Motion, so it's very easy to find, but I've also included the link in the description. I recently appeared on Tony Freena's Indie Comic Spotlight to talk about the series Second Coming as well. That was on episode 13, I believe. That is also on the feed of Comics in Motion. And I also did my voice acting debut on the first episode of season 2 of the Room podcast, episode called All Roads Lead to Room. I've got a slightly smaller role there. And then I was also in the second to last episode, which is called Jen and the Blob. I voiced the Blob. It was a lot of fun to do, get to mess around with some of my uh better impressions of voice acting and things Uh, so you can check those out i've included a link to those in the description too coming out obviously next week is going to be part two of my chat with moxie i've got a chat recording on tuesday with a very good friend of mine called sean he is welsh he's a great laugh and i love chatting to him just in real life and because he lives in Wales, along with my mate Alex Hart and a couple of other friends of mine, I would normally go up to Wales and see them, because of the lockdown, I've obviously been in England for three or so months, haven't been able to, so we're going to chat over a podcast anyway, it's going to be a lot kind of like this chat in a sense, it's probably going to be loads of tangents and loads of things, but I'm incredibly comfortable with Sean, so the conversation is going to flow great, obviously this chat with Moxie went really well and I'm happy it flowed too, but... I just want to clarify that the week after next when I have Sean on, it's not going to be a really, really serious chat. It's going to be probably full of laughs and things like that also coming up i did a collaboration with a gentleman called scott weatherly of the 20th century geek podcast when there was the big star wars collaboration myself chris and dave and scott did before christmas this year in the run-up to the rise of skywalker i appeared on comics in motion uh, as well as the 20th century geek podcast and they came on my show and we had big star wars discussions about the originals prequels sequel trilogy and then predictions for rise of skywalker as well as a video about our thoughts on the rise of skywalker so you may have already heard scott weatherly's voice or if you're following a lot of the podcasts that often collaborate with each other you may have listened to 20th Century Geek before if you haven't go check it out because Scott's going to be coming on the show in the coming weeks or so in the coming months uh, i can't exactly guarantee when the episode will be out but i am excited about that too i've got the episode recorded with paul and emily of parent guide to gcse i'm going to record that pro- uh, release that probably in august because i've already got that recorded and then i've got a couple of other things in the pipeline for recording too so ever and a couple of returning guests and a few other things so that's kind of what you can look forward to over the coming weeks um from genuine chit chat uh and the only other thing really to talk about is star wars comics and canon if you haven't already checked out the show and you're into star wars in any capacity i really recommend you go check it out the episodes are aimed to be between sort of anywhere between 15 minutes and 40 minutes. Uh, I don't think many have been longer than that. They're generally just me talking about a select few of Star Wars comics that are in the new canon. Uh, I've The re- recent ones I've done about Darth Vader, about him between a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, how he got Luke Skywalker's name after he blew up the Death Star. I've done ones about kylo ren captain phasma and things like that of the sequels i've done the princess leia comic i'm soon to do the lando comic so i've also done the obi-wan and anakin comic from the prequels i've done bits and pieces here there and everywhere i'm doing ongoing series at the moment as well as one-shot comics and mini-series next week is probably going to be the series about mace windu that's quite interesting so there's lots of different things that you can really get your teeth into. It's not specifically meant for someone who's a massive Star Wars fan or anyone who's not much of a Star Wars fan. It's just if you've seen the main six movies as, as well as you know you should have really seen Force Awakens and the Last Jedi if you've seen them and you kind of want to get more into the wider star wars realm if maybe you've watched a bit of clone wars and rebels or mandalorian or anything and you like the comics and things but you aren't interested enough to spend loads of money and time reading through all the comics and the books and the this and then that star wars comics and canon is a good way to kind of get you into the wider canon just v- explaining storylines way things connect a bit of added depth to certain characters uh, the princess leia comic i spoke about uh, last week or week before last i actually in the comic, it tells you how Nyan Nub got into the Rebellion. He's in Return of the Jedi. He's Lando's co-pilot when he's flying the Millennium Falcon into the Death Star 2. He's a Celestian. He's got, if he, you know who he was if you've seen the Star Wars films. Megan personally hates him because he's so weird looking and sounds quite peculiar. But those are the kind of things you can look forward to in Star Wars comics and canon. It's good for any beginners or anyone who has been in the Star Wars realm for a long time. It's just something I'm passionate about doing, and it's just me talking to myself, essentially. Kind of like the end of these podcasts are full of rambling, but it's almost purely Star Wars related. So if you want to check that out, that is in the Comics in Motion feed. There's also a link to it in the description. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, you should be able to find the episodes on there as well. Except I do not believe uh, Comics in Motion is on YouTube, so if you're listening to this on YouTube, you're probably going to have to find it elsewhere, I'm afraid. Anyway, that's it for me, guys. Not going to ramble on too much here. Really hope you guys enjoyed the chat. As I said, make sure you check out Moxie's uh, podcast, Your Brain on Facts, and give her a cheeky pre-order of her book, or if it's within a few days of this coming out, you'll then be able to buy the book. Buy it as well. Yeah, that's it for me, guys. Really appreciate you guys listening. You know, subscribe on all the usual places, follow on all the usual social media channels, and leave reviews if you believe the show deserves it. Thanks again, guys, and I'll talk to all of you next week.